passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want, what you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. Jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7, I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, The People's Host, a special look back at Dwayne Johnson on Saturday Night Live. You know, a lot of people have been telling me lately that uh, that I should run for president of the United States. Yes, yes and I, I gotta tell you, it's, it's very flattering. But tonight, I wanna put this to rest and just say once and for all, I'm in. <laughs> Starting tonight, I am running for the president of the United States. This, yeah. And I gotta tell you, I've already chosen my running mate. He's also in the Five Timers Club. And like me, he's very well-liked. He's charming, universally adored by pretty much every human alive. Tom Hanks, ladies and gentlemen. All right, all right. See, that, just, that, just that clip, ladies and gentlemen, got me excited for this episode. And, and you know. If it's a special episode, I have to bring on a special guest because I can't do it alone. And since every Siskel needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twine, <laughs> I have a very special guest on the review this week. He's somebody who is both familiar with the work of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and also can give us a unique perspective on shows like Saturday Night Live and, and maybe some of the work that it takes to get those shows on the air. 
So it is with 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 no further ado that I bring on this very special guest, this 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 champion of all things comedy, this man that stepped up because Kenan Thompson was unavailable this week. Ladies and gentlemen, you know postmarks, you know Brian Mann is back. Brian, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm doing good. It's always great to 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 chat with you. It's you know we've been remarking before we started shooting it or recording. It's Probably like five years or so uh, now uh, of us of us doing shows together, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I don't know why you keep talking about uh, SNL though. Uh, the con cut of uh, Southland Tales just hit Blu-ray, so I assume that's what we're here to talk about. I know everyone can now watch it, so we're going to discuss it in the proper context. I mean, we're look, we're saving that for the for the series finale of the Rocky Mountain Picture Show. We got to make the people wait for that one. Because <laughs> you want an episode that no one listens to. Great way to end the show. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, we we covered uh, WCW in the year 2000, and much like Vince Russo and much like Turner Networks with, with Nitro, I want to leave the audience with the worst possible taste in their mouth. Well, and here's the thing. I You mentioned our old Keep It 2000. I still sometimes feel bad that we never finished that experiment, but at least according to Peacock, WCW Nitro does not exist. So as far as I'm concerned, we... There's, we did not drop the ball. There is nothing for us to review. This content does not exist. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess before we get into the, the review, Brian, just a little bit of catch up. Because the last time the listeners would have heard you and I together in tandem mm-hmm. would have been when we revived another one of our old shows. I think that's what we do, Brian. Like we just make shows to prematurely end them so then we can get the big pop when we return. <laughs> Uh, but the last time you and I uh, joined forces was when we did a, uh, an episode of Review America, uh, talking about the 2020 election. So, how have you been since uh, we we gave that show to the people? Uh, I mean, I've been pretty good. I remember when we did that show. Uh, I was trying to be all kumbaya and tell people to be nice to their neighbors, and then uh, a lot of people stormed the Capitol. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting. I kind of wanted to avoid uh, discussing politics on this episode, but uh, as we will discuss, mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson made that a little hard for us to do. Yes, yes. I was, because I'd forgotten a lot of these uh, monologues and sketches that we're going to talk about this week, Brian. And yes. as soon as I got to the last episode that The Rock hosted and got to that monologue, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. Like, this just all, why, this is in our wheelhouse, Brian. Politics, wrestling, comedy, it's, it's, it's there for us on a silver platter. And here's the thing. I, I don't think we should jump the gun. I think we should give people reason to, you know, listen to, you know, our, our thoughts on uh, his his brav, bravura uh, selling job to Chris Kattan in the year 2002. <laughs> so before we, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, after all of that SNL chat, uh, I think, Nate, you and I, we will we will have we will break it down and we will conclusively decide Will Dwayne Johnson actually run for president one day? Mm. Yes, you got you to stay for that one, ladies and gentlemen. That's that the is, main uh, event. That's the reason we got together. You know, we're just using the, the, the artifice of SNL as a way to talk about President Rock. Uh. But th- thankfully, these, I, I, I will say I'm very happy to be here uh, on this episode. I think that this episode is actually going to give us a very unique, uh, a, a very unique look to Mm -hmm. just look at the prism of Dwayne's career, to watch the evolution of his career. Um, And quite frankly, if I'm just saying for myself, uh, the era of films you've entered in for Dwayne Johnson on this show, uh, I I don't find particularly interesting. So I'm very excited to be here (laughs) to discuss 
uh, his career in this context, because even if all you did, um, even if the, the listener uh, doesn't go and finds every single one of the sketches and watches all the episodes in whole, which would be difficult because they've erased a lot of them from the earlier yeah. years that he was a part of. Uh, if you just watch the five monologues, it is incredible to watch the evolution of this performer. Because even though Dwayne Johnson is in the Five Timers Club, it took him 17 years to do it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, I mean, I think Tom Hanks did it in like, I don't know, like eight or something. I would need to look that up. But you get a very broad view of this guy's career by watching just his five monologues. Yep. Uh, so that's how we're going to kind of set up things this week. Uh, we're going to go through his monologues in chronological order. And then once we get through talking about his monologues, we'll get into some of his sketches mm-hmm. and, and, and just kind of uh, review that. But before we get to that, Brian, normally, if you were a first time guest, this would, where, this would be where I would ask you about, you know, your relationship with The Rock as a wrestler, your relationship with The Rock as an actor. But we've done this. We've done this dance many we've a time. Been there. People know. Brian, man. Uh, so instead, I'll pose <laughs> to you the question. What's your relationship with Saturday Night Live? Like, have you always been a fan of the show? You know, what, what have you thought about kind of the different eras of the show? You know, how, how has your viewership of this kind of staple of American television been? Yeah, I would say SNL has always been a pretty big part of my life when I was a uh, a child. Uh, I watched it, even though I wouldn't necessarily always catch it when it was on, because when you're a kid staying up till 1230 on a midnight on a Saturday or 1130 on a Saturday, it can be difficult. But I definitely would always watch the reruns that they would do on uh, Comedy Central. And a lot of times I actually found those episodes a little bit better because they'd edit them down to an hour. And usually due to uh, rights and clearances, they didn't have the music. So you'd really just get the best stuff in that one hour long episode that they would give to you on uh, on Comedy Central. So I was a big fan of that. And then, you know, being a, a teenager and watching TV really during those um, those really great Will Ferrell, uh, you know, kind of golden years of SNL. Mm. And then the cast after it was really solid, too, is one of the things that even just struck me. One of the sketches we'll talk about, like the straight men that were just. reacting it was like oh yeah will ferrell and jason sudeikis and uh um and and kate mckinnon Mm. and Kristen wig like and andy samberg and fred armisen like all these people were just like the cast at the time um that being said i I would say lately i i at the beginning of every season of snl i always say i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch every episode (laughs) and they lose me pretty quickly unfortunately i think it's a little um out of touch and in many ways it parallels wwe uh Mm. And we'll, I think, chat about that, especially during the first monologue. Yes. Um, but SNL's always been, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a passion for me. I would actually say 30 Rock, which is kind of obviously loosely based on SNL, was really the show that inspired me to move to New York, uh, ultimately. And uh, to end on a, on a, on a bit of a, a big up myself, I have been to SNL uh, once before. It's a, it's, a, it's a very fun environment. It's a crazy uh, environment. It's very interesting. Mm. Um and that's why I think that, honestly, I think that Dwayne fits so well into here. And I think, honestly, anytime a professional wrestler has hosted, I think they've acclimated themselves uh, pretty well, even though it's it's really just been him, Hogan, and uh, Cena, I guess, are the only straight-up wrestlers who've who hosted the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Much like you, Brian, SNL has always just kind of been a part of my life. And there's been years where I've really been engaged with the show and then others where, you know, I'll catch it if, if I hear something good was on. 
mm-hmm. honestly, outside of the comedy, or maybe even more so than the comedy at times, the thing that hooked me to SNL more than anything else was live performances. Yeah, the the performances that we don't get on Peacock, Uh, (laughs) because, you know, that was like a place to find new artists that, you know, weren't being played on the radio that I was listening to at the time. And you're like, oh, who like who who is this Soundgarden? Like, I've never heard of these people. I don't know why Soundgarden was the go to example. Well, I well, I'm pretty sure they they've been on. But the thing that I I love about uh, SNL is that when with their music, and I will say even to this day, they have a very diverse range of people mm-hmm. they book. They'll book the big, huge uh, acts, and then they'll also do like smaller ones. If you just even look at the people that were like the guests on these episodes that we watch, it was like the first one was like ACDC, and then it was like yeah. Ray LaMontag, and then it was like Katy Perry. It was just all over the place, and that's something that I really do like. Um, when it comes to SNL is that diversity of styles and the fact that it is really, I think one of the last, you know, entertainment shows that tries to be kind of like, mm. a, Hey, everyone's, everyone's welcome. It's a party for everybody. Yeah. And then I guess my last thing on SNL is the season they did last year where mm-hmm. it was, you know, the, the quarantine season. I, I was very impressed, you know, like you can argue with whether a joke was funny or a joke hit you, but just kind of the, the way they had to do the show under those circumstances. I thought that was pretty cool. I agree. I agree. I thought the first episode was really good um, that they did back. And just from kind of, um, you know, sort of knowing a little bit about their production process right now, Mm. um, they've taken a lot of really interesting uh, sort of steps and changes to make sure that they can continue to do that show. Um, really safely. And it's just interesting some of the small tweaks that they've made um, that are costing them a lot of money, but allows them to do the show in, in, in a safe environment. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, now that we know where Brian Mann stands when it comes to Saturday Night Live, let's get let's get into these monologues, brother, because I have a lot hold of... Hold on, hold on. I just realized real quick to, to jump in. I realize that we're completely forgetting about if we want to have an offshoot podcast, maybe this is special somewhere down the line. We've got to talk about Stone Cold and Bret Hart's appearances on Mad TV at some point. Well, see, that's <laughs> that's a Pandora's box you're messing with there, Brian, man. Because if we talk about Bret Hart on Mad TV, then ultimately we have to end up back in WCW and talk about the Bret Hart, Will Sasso feud with Deborah Wilson sprinkled in. Exactly. Well, thankfully that happened in '99, so we never would have hit it on our old show. <laughs> oh, that maybe that'll be. We'll, we'll, we'll work something out with John. That could be a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> see, if, <laughs> see if we can get an interview with Sasso. I don't know what he's up to these days. I think he's doing interviews uh, and podcasts. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about these monologues because this is, you know, your first impression of the host of these shows most of the time, if they're not in the cold open segment. Uh, and so, as you mentioned, Brian Mann, The Rock is in the illustrious Saturday Night Live Five Timers Club. Uh, he hosted on March 18th of 2000, April 13th, 2002, March 7th, 2009, March 28th, 2015, and May 20th of 2017. So as you mentioned, like there's some there's some big gaps uh, in, in, in between some of those appearances. Uh, but let's start with March 17th of 2000, where he was billed simply as The Rock. And and this is the most wrestling-heavy episode yes. that, that we're going to talk about. And it, it starts with Vince McMahon, of all damn people, Brian. 
It's it's almost with this monologue. I almost I wrote it down here. It's almost unfair to call it a rock monologue. It's a WWF monologue. This uh, this episode was two weeks before WrestleMania 2000. Um, so you have cameos from all the WrestleMania 2000 main eventers. Um, but what really struck me the most here, and it will be interesting to kind of just compare over these five episodes, The Rock seems legitimately nervous. Yes. The two big things that hit me were he seems very nervous in this environment. And secondly, oh, my God, wrestling was so much more popular <laughs> in 2000 (laughs) that it is now could you imagine like bobby lashley host uh bobby lashley or drew mcintyre or roman reigns hosting snl two weeks before wrestlemania now and the crowd going crazy and like yelling out their catchphrases (laughs) impossible Um, would not happen uh now now i'm just imagining matt riddle doing a monologue (laughs) <laughs> the whole crowd just goes, bro, and they, like, lose it. And he, like, runs down the steps and kicks off his shoes, and the birds go flying. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is very much, you know, the WWF product placement because we got Vince in the back with Triple H, Mick Foley, and Big Show. And basically Vince's whole deal is, you know, guys, we, we don't want to ruin this night for the rock. So don't, don't get violent. Don't get physically involved. And, you know, we got the back and forth between the guys. Chris Kattan uh, gets pulled into this, gets roped mm-hmm. into this as mango. And then, you know, you talk about that monologue and the monologue, besides the fact that, yeah, you can tell there's, there's a bit of nervousness that, that we don't usually see from the rock. But it's not even really jokes, Brian. It's more like he's just doing his character. Exactly. Everyone's just kind of doing their character. Actually, no. I would say everyone, except for Big Show, is doing their character. Because yes. Big Show <laughs> decides, I'm on SNL. I'm going to act silly. And really kind of kills the gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. It got weird at the end where Big Show <laughs> and Foley become cheerleaders for The Rock. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> It's weird because, like, these are supposed to be the four main eventers of WrestleMania, and it's mm-hmm. like – and again, WrestleMania 2000, like, people have their issues with that main event, but, like, you couldn't see them doing the same thing a year later with, like, him and Austin making jokes with each other because right. that was an angle that people cared about a little bit more. But the thing that I loved was that, uh, you know, so we mentioned that all the Mania uh, main eventers are in this. Hunter at one point comes up and cuts a promo on The Rock. And he's yeah. about to, oh, I should have, I should have hosted this episode and all of this stuff. But then he puts his hand out and says, on behalf of everyone at the World Wrestling Federation, good luck. Walks away, and I'm like, oh, that okay, that kind of kills the gimmick a little bit. But Triple H always knows how to get his heat back. Turns <laughs> back around and goes, but I'm gonna eat your, I'm gonna beat your monkey crap ass or so, whatever he could say on SNL, and then punches an extra and drags them out. And it's like, goddamn, Hunter always makes sure he gets his heat back at the end of a segment. Yeah. And he really like it looked like he really was dragging that extra. Like it yeah. looked like it might have actually hurt. No, they definitely got a, a stage combat trained extra. So I think another thing to point out about this this monologue from this particular episode of Saturday Night Live is we do get you know the the heads of each entity here in this partnership. Yes. We get a scene backstage with Vince McMahon and Lauren Michaels. And what did you make of that interaction? I I'm not even kidding. I go back to this interaction in my head all of the time because whenever people talk about Vince McMahon and how much of a weird place that he holds in entertainment and in this one particular industry, to me, the only, the closest person you can compare him to is Lorne Michaels. Um, And Lorne Michaels has had varying degrees of success um, in terms of uh, 
you know, offshoot properties in terms of, you know, like SNL movies and things like this. But I would say when it comes to creating stars and discovering talent um, and what he has been able to do with that show long term, I would say is more impressive than what Vince McMahon has done (laughs) with WWE. I think he has (laughs) created more stars. Uh, There are certain things that Lorne Michaels does where Lorne Michaels, even though I think SNL now suffers from many of the same things that WWE does, where I think, Laura Michaels is maybe just a little too out of touch with the mainstream. I think they put too much uh, focus on, you know, big time celebrities coming on the show rather than building up their actual, you know, homegrown talent um, and really investing in their stars. Um, But that being said, you know, SNL takes off seasons. Uh, Laura Michaels Mm -hmm. doesn't try to own his talent. He understands that his job is to make them big and then they leave. And then down the, the line, you have all these big famous celebrities that can come back onto your show. Um, I just think they're very interesting, uh, a compare and contrast, whereas Vince feels this need to own wrestling. Lord Michael doesn't think he has to own comedy. He doesn't think he has to like, (laughs) if you're making comedy that, you know, you're competing with him. Uh, So I think it's just very interesting to compare and contrast those two, um, those two individuals. I thought it was a really interesting scene, like just between the two of them, just like the little brief interaction, because even though they're both in this comedy sketch, Lauren still has an air of respectability that I think Vince lacks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think it ties into what you're saying. Like there's a bit more, you know, yeah, he's had successes, he's had failures, but I do think overall he has a better understanding of, of, moving his product forward, so to speak, than Vince does at this point. And and one other thing that they sh- share in common is that even though their products have dipped in popularity and quality over the last 10 years, uh, because there is so much importance put on live television, mm-hmm. SNL is like the most profitable it's ever been. Like mm-hmm. they are selling ads on that thing left and right because they're, it is destination uh, viewing. It is appointment viewing. And even though it gets like, I would say maybe comparable numbers to like, uh, well, first of all, it blows WWE's ratings out of the water, uh, but that's, it's on network TV and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the amount of like high end advertisers, when you watch SNL at 1130, uh, you're getting like car ads and stuff. And that's not necessarily the case for every show that's on 1130 on a Saturday night. Um, So SNL has definitely benefited by being live programming in the same way that WWE has. Yeah. And so, you know, this was his, uh, his his debut. This was the rock breaking into the territory, Brian. And you know, we, we can kind of talk about it once we get through with all of the monologues, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is probably his weakest monologue. Um this or the next I, one. I, the next one I would say is overall the weakest, even though I think his performance is better in the next mm-hmm. one. Um, but again, just going back to that idea of like he gets a massive pop when he comes out, they yeah. chant Rocky. And then he, at the end of it, after he says, like, hey, we've got a great show, ACDC is here, he brings down a microphone and does, if you smell the rock is cooking, and the audience loses it. They yeah. just absolutely erupt. I can't, like, it. you cannot overstate how big WWE was at this time. And even though, like, yes, they were kind of in the same family, USA and whatnot, WWE and Universal weren't in bed with each other to the extent that they are here. This was a booking that they booked because it was so big. Um, if you notice, even though they have all the WrestleMania headliners, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they ever actually say WrestleMania. I don't think they no. ever actually specifically plug this thing in two weeks. Um, 
maybe they weren't allowed to, but they were able to force all these characters on. Um, I was even thinking, like, it's such a shame that WWE's mainstream popularity really fizzles out a, a year later because I would have loved to have seen Stone Cold host SNL. I still Ooh, would yeah. love to see Stone Cold uh, host SNL. I'm su- yeah, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten that call. It's 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 very interesting. I, I think it's just that now that show is so mainstream and so mm-hmm. many A-listers do it um, that if they ever go into that sports world, it will be for someone who's like a really well-known mainstream sports star. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I mean, the fact that they've been had, they haven't even had Cena back a second time, uh, I think yeah. is pretty is pretty interesting. That's a good point. So uh, this was uh, The Rock's first trip to Saturday Night Live as the host. And, uh, you know, I, I think overall, I thought he did he did well for where he was at uh, in, at that point in his career. Uh, but he was overshadowed because I like I didn't watch all of these episodes, Brian, but I watched, mm-hmm. you know, the rock sketches and a couple of the other sketches. Like He was immediately overshadowed because the, the first sketch following the monologue is maybe one of my favorite stupid Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. And it's Tracy Morgan doing Uncle Jemima. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Uncle Jem- you had such a great cast <laughs> back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh. That that was uh, March 18th of 2000. We fast forward two years, Brian. Uh, last thing I'll say to button it up uh, with this particular episode, little fun fact I saw l- uh, researching this episode. The week before was the week that Jimmy Fallon wore blackface uh, when portraying Chris Rock. So it was a monumental time for SNL. <laughs> uh, 2000s comedy, Brian. You got to love it. Sadly, not the last blackface that we'll be talking about <laughs> in these episodes. <laughs> No, it would not be. Uh, so then we go to April 18th of 2002. And this, this Brian Mann, like it's all coming together now because this is a special uh, edition of SNL because The Rock is here. He's back hosting to promote the Scorpion King. Mm, newbie and I were watching that night. Yes. He shows up in his best baptism outfit. And <laughs> this I, what is- was that? What was he wearing? Yeah, like, I, like for real, it looked like he was wearing his like baptismal robe. And like, okay, he looked okay. like he was he he was he was getting ready for like his third beach wedding. Is what he was. He like had like acid washed <laughs> jeans on. It was it was, and he had sandals. He had sandals on. Well, he, look, he's he's comfortable now. Like the first time he hosted, he was a little nervous. Now he's a bit more self assured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that brings us to this monologue, which is. Basically him talking about movies and the difference between movies and wrestling and how he can take a punch. And this leads to uh, him calling Chris Kattan out onto, onto the stage and telling Chris to punch him. And they go through this whole thing and Chris finally punches him and Dwayne sells it like a champ. And then Chris punches him again. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very short uh, monologue. Like it, it, it felt Brian, like they were like, if this was a match on TV, like we know what the rock strengths are, but we don't mm-hmm. want to overextend them. That's what this felt like. Yeah, it was weird. It's like, first of all, I think this was some of the best selling uh, of the rock's career, right? Right up there with spitting blood for Brock Lesnar. Um, but it was, it was weird. Cause it was only like four minutes and it didn't feel like it had, like it didn't have a conclusion, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. you know, rule of there's, you know, rule of threes uh, in terms of comedy and Chris Kattan punches him once and Chris Kattan punches him twice. I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the payoff? Right. No payoff. It just ends. It's just, hey, uh, who was the musical guest on this episode? I don't, I don't even remember. It's a rock. It was a rock band. I forget who it was though. 
Okay, let's say this was Soundgarden. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, they say, he's like, that's it. And then we just, it, it was it was a very lackluster monologue, especially yeah. when you compare it to the previous one, which had these WWF guest stars and the crowd is going crazy for him, whereas he comes out here much more comfortable and accomplished. He's, he's filmed a movie mm-hmm. uh, in between, but it just kind of feels like the, the air is out of the balloon. Yeah, and the crowd... The crowd's still into him, and he's more confident, as you mentioned, Brian. But there's not the same energy that we had yes. with the WWF Open. Exactly. Just and the the WWF just isn't as big anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think they probably SNL probably brought him back because he was so good that first time. And if I'm not mistaken, this was kind of technically the first time that an athlete returned to host a second time. If you're considering. Mm-hmm him an athlete i since then i think like charles barkley has hosted multiple multiple times and things like that but yeah um he was kind of the first one because you'd have guys like jordan and lebron hosted in like 2004 but they didn't necessarily you know come back um but yeah i, I thought that he was better um but it really did just kind of go to show you the the dip in popularity um because mm. he's also yeah scorpion king made money but like it's not a big movie no, and for anybody that wants to hear our in-depth thoughts on Scorpion King, you can go back to episode one. Rewind it back. The Rocky Maivia picture show where Brian Mann came on to talk about that cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> it's in the top uh, half of his movies, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this particular monologue. The only thing that kind of uh, struck my fancy, because I did leave uh, the uh, – intros playing because i wanted to hear mm-hmm. when they stopped calling the rock and when they started calling them dwayne johnson right uh, so i let the intros run and i got a bit of a pop when i saw dean edwards who i think was on saturday night live for one season oh wow but i like <laughs> i always loved his denzel washington impression like i know he's probably done other stuff but that's what i always think of when i see dean edwards oh this guy okay yeah well him, him and jay farrow Denzel impressions that uh, took them to, to, to the SNL stage. Yes. <laughs> uh, so do you have any more thoughts on the O2 episode? No, it just felt like a real, um, you know, I, I, I didn't watch any of the sketches from the first one and I was a little bummed because uh, they just weren't that many of them on YouTube. I was curious mm-hmm. to see uh, you yeah. know, more of yeah. them. Whereas the second episode, I will say, that monologue was so weak. Now I didn't feel like I was really missing anything. I was like, Oh, that's the, the, it was very indicative of where I think the rock was in 2002. Mm. Like, yes, he's becoming a more accomplished performer, but we're seeing the more that he steps out of that WWE world. It, it just, it, it, he isn't as big. It, we're, you're starting to get a lot of, uh, you know, big fish, little pond. And now he's out mm. of WWE. Yep. And um, this will kind of, I guess, could segue to the next one. It's another seven years before he's mm. back on SNL. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think it's very telling about where his career was. Because, yeah, Scorpion King comes out. It's a big hit. Walking Tall comes out, which he doesn't cross-promote on WWE as much. And it was not. And no. it kind of felt like he really had to struggle uh, those next couple of years. Yeah, and we've talked about it on the program, like the different phases of Dwayne's film career. And he is certainly kind of getting ready to enter that wilderness period before he starts to pop again. Yes. I, I would almost say if you were to, <laughs> if you were to show someone uh, images of the man who hosted 
uh, SNL in the year 2000, 2002, 2015, and 2017, you would say that is all the same person. If you then saw an image of the person who hosted SNL in 2009, mm. you're like, oh, that's maybe the younger brother of that person. That is not <laughs> the same person because he's even he gave interviews at the time. 2009, this is the time period where he's doing the kids' movies. He's doing the family movies, and he purposefully yep. slims down because he comes to the conclusion that being that large was hurting his career, and he couldn't mm. get cast as much. And um, yeah, uh, that's all I'll say. You, you can you know kind of set up the, the monologue a bit more, but I think that is very telling in terms of uh, what he does here. Yeah, we're certainly kind of in that game plan, Tooth Fairy era. Yes. By the time yeah. we get to 09. Uh, so our next episode is march 7th of 2009 where for the first time on snl he is announced as dwayne johnson Uh, Mm -hmm. and he comes out and i think yes there's that physical difference like you mentioned brian but this felt like the this felt the most like and i don't want to disparage the other two monologues but this felt like a a more authentic monologue that you would get from any other actor Yes, this definitely felt because he does in the here he sings, he does some choreography. Mm-hmm. This definitely felt like Dwayne Johnson, who only a year ago, uh, uh, you know, kind of like ditched the rock name. He's trying to show people, look, I'm the I'm the funny, silly guy. For me in this monologue, he felt like he was very purposefully trying to set, trying to let people know, hey, guys, I'm silly. I'm funny. This is who I am now. He seems to be defining that this is what I'm going to be uh, from here on out, which yeah. honestly didn't last very long. And, no, it didn't. And this is what gives us uh, his rousing number, Brian, man, tough guy, where mm-hmm. he sings about how, you know, just because he's an actor now, just because he's in Hollywood now, he's still a tough guy. But then we juxtapose that with all these kind of effeminate stereotypes. We get a Bob Fosse-esque chicago style dance number yep. uh with with the girls coming out and and uh so like this is not the last time we'll see the rock sing uh, it was the better of the times though <laughs> yes i will agree uh so what, what did you make of this number right here um i gotta be honest i miss this dwayne johnson i miss i miss this dwayne johnson i miss this kind of range i miss this this fun um I just think that now the image and we'll certainly see it kind of evolving in the next monologue. And it's certainly like there by the fifth one. Um, He's just a character. He's just the rock all of the time. And here he feels like a very fun, skilled comedic actor. And I miss this Dwayne Johnson. I I really do. I know that this time period didn't necessarily, um, I, I get why he moved away from it. He's had so much success since then. Um, and I think he is still very funny and entertaining in those later SNL uh, episodes. But, you know, I miss the guy who isn't, you know, 300 pounds of muscle. Uh, and I, I there's zero chance the current Rock could do any of this choreography <laughs> as well. Uh, so just once, I'd love to see the Rock drop the weight, do a musical. I want to see the Rock do an actual straight up musical because I love Moana, but it's yeah. animated. Yeah, he's he is always trying to find ways to, to get his... Uh get his singing voice in these productions. And then I think like he's, he's actually pretty good. Like he's, he's no, he, I was trying to think like, who's the best thing I could think of. And Garth Brooks was the first name that popped in my head. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> it's Dwayne Johnson's no Garth Brooks, Brian. 
that's crazy. Chris Gaines was the first one that popped into my head. So there you go. Uh, legend, legend. Um, <laughs> do you remember? Uh, so, do you remember when uh, Garth Brooks hosted SNL? Yes. And the musical guest was Chris Gaines. That 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 was one of my favorite episodes because, like, we knew like it was when Arsenio Hall tried to be Chunky A. Like, you're the same person. You're not fooling anybody. Uh, any any other thoughts on this monologue before we get to the next monologue, which takes us forward another pretty big jump in time? Um, no, I mean, really, just the big thing that I have down here is just really noticing how slim down he is mm-hmm. and how much I miss this kind of uh, of range. Um, you know, if you kind of remember where he was at this time, uh, you know, Get Smart is a year before this. And I think that was kind of the first time that mainstream audiences were kind of like, oh, wait, this guy's funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's he, he's do you remember what the date of this episode was? This was March 7th, 09. OK, and that's kind of the the rough period, I find, when it comes to uh, SNL hosts, because everyone wants to host the premiere. Everyone wants to host at Christmas. These are the big movie times. Right. Um Everyone wants to host towards the finale because you're promoting your summer movies that, you know, that February, March, that's where things can sometimes be a little, uh, you know, murky back then. Uh, I would be curious to look up and see who hosted the weeks after (laughs) before and after him. I would be surprised. It's like John Heater or something like that. (laughs) It was funny because, you know, the first episode was March 18th and that was obviously, um, you know, promoting WrestleMania. Uh, Then we had April in 02 we go to march in 09 march in 2015 and then he does the season finale uh may may of 2017 oh and that's the interesting like definitely when we get to episode five like he is solidified a-lister biggest movie star in the world so that that honestly i mean even if the people listening aren't aren't going to watch everything i really do mean it like watch these five monologues it is a really interesting just snapshot of this guy's career yeah, and I, I think one last thing on the 09 monologue, like I I think we're we're getting to see like self-deprecating Dwayne in this. Correct. Where, and and you know, he's poking fun at himself. I would agree. I would agree. And he's yeah, it, it's just so interesting how he uses that monologue. I think he is very just in the same way that he does when he comes back, uses a musical number to tell the audience and Hollywood he's he's very clearly trying to define what his uh trying to define what his celebrity mold is he's trying to let people know because especially now Dwayne Dwayne does everything with a purpose you know when he does his model when, when he does his you know Instagram posts where he writes three paragraphs about the time his dad took him to the zoo and that's why he made rampage that is specific like he thinks these things out he's very good at mm-hmm. messaging um and I think he more so than a lot of other people uh, you see it in these last two SNL monologues, specifically using it to tell people, here's what I am as a, as a famous person. Yep. And even though so I would say these three, yeah. Yeah. So let's go to March 28th of 2015, because this is, I think this is where we're now entering, or we're already in kind of star level. Like, you know, he was in the mid card those first three years, Brian. Well, this is where we're yeah. entering. Uh, Dwayne Johnson might have a bit of an ego issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, this one starts off with, uh, you know, we get the cold open and we get the Rock Obama sketch. Uh, and this is the second time they've done the Rock Obama. They did it previously in October of 09. Uh, yes. Interestingly enough, with a different uh, cast member playing Obama. <laughs> Who is also a different race than Obama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that was the thing that got me that was so interesting that when people did all the, you know, 
when people rightly discussed uh, the you know the Chris Rock blackface that Jimmy Fallon did, and it's like, mm-hmm. are we forgetting that Fred Armisen played Obama for like eight years? <laughs> yes, I mean it, he like it was eight of like he does six. a. I was gonna say, like vocally, he does a great Obama, but like that's not the right choice. It's not the right choice, especially when it's like uh, some pretty. I was reading this, and apparently, like Donald Glover auditioned to be uh, Obama, and they pushed. Uh, Apparently, Keenan tried to lose like sixty pounds so that he could play Obama. Um, But hey, listen, ultimately, Fred Armisen did do a better Obama than Jay Farrow. Yeah, I hate to say it. I, I hate to say it, but he did. Uh, yeah. Like that, Obama was not one of Pharaoh's best impressions. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Fred Armisen is just like, I don't know. There's just something about him where people just kind of assume, like, yeah, he's he can do that, right? <laughs> like he's he's ethnic enough, right? He's a uh, he he's like John Turturro or Alfred Molina, where we're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. They're yeah, they're you know, yeah, they're they're that thing, right? That's good, right? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we get uh, the Rock Obama here in 2015. That's our cold open with Jay Farrow as Obama, and then you know he gets angry uh, and turns into Dwayne Johnson. Uh, but then this might be his most famous monologue, Brian Man, mm-hmm. because we get another song and dance number with your boy DJ talking about how you know he's a he's he's brought all these franchises back to life and he's rein, reinvigorated. The Fast and the Furious reinvigorated, you know, the the the, the Mummy series and GI Joe and all these other franchises, and that's why Hollywood calls him Franchise Viagra. And we get another song and dance number where The Rock talks about uh, basically how great he is for three minutes. Yeah, uh, this you know sometimes when uh, y- you watch an SNL monologue, especially sometimes a sketch, and you're like, wow, this this host definitely brought this uh, to the writers. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this was something they pitched Dwayne. Uh, I think Dwayne showed up and said, hey, got a great idea for a musical number. And wouldn't you know it, I came with lyrics already written. Um, <laughs> because this thing sounds like a rock promo. And also, like, mm. you're making a Viagra joke in 2015, which is something that Dwayne Johnson would do. Um, I really didn't like this monologue. I don't think uh, his singing is as good as it was Um in the previous one mm-hmm. it's just so boastful and it's so clearly him wanting to submit this idea of you know he's had a couple rough years um and he's starting to have hits again like this is around the time that like okay the fast movies are really starting to work for him and yeah he did gi joe um and he hasn't quite established himself as a big a level guy who can carry and open his own movie but he right. wants to make sure that everyone knows I am successful. My movies make money. Isn't it funny that if you put me in a movie series, I suddenly make it, I make it make money and I'm do, but I'm doing it in a way that's like self-deprecating and like I'm, I'm singing and I'm dancing and, and it's just, it's so calculated. It it was Mm. so clearly him and his team who, you know, some of his former writers from WWE (laughs) work for him now. um, It just felt so clearly them coming in and saying, how are we going to use this platform? And it just felt like we're going to use that platform to, um, you know, to pat them, pat himself on the back. It's, it's interesting, Brian, if you look at this monologue from 2015, which again, might be the one he's most remembered for. And then you look back at the monologue from uh, March of 2000 Mm -hmm. and 
in 2000, you see a performer who's a little bit nervous. You know, it's very tied to that wrestling life. But you see, like, he's, he's got it. He's got something there. But then exactly. you look here in, in 2015, and it's almost the exact opposite. Like, he's, he's almost too polished, I think, in this monologue. Yeah, yeah, he 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 feels a little too uh too practiced, a little too I don't want to say too confident, but like I would not be surprised if this was a thing where he came in and he had this pre-written. Like maybe the writers SNL did a couple tweaks, but like that he came in and said this is what I want to do because mm. I just I don't think for me it's that it's that phrase franchise Viagra, which sounds like mm-hmm. such a rock promo line that I don't think Dwayne Johnson showed up on Tuesday, which is when, you know, the writing starts and says, Hey guys, pitch me whatever you want. I'm a blank canvas. And someone said, Hey, you know how you're, you make movies a lot of money. That's funny. We should do a song about it. I don't think that, I don't think that is how it went down, but yeah, right. it is so interesting where you, you, you put it perfectly where he's here in 2000. He looks, um, you know, very nervous to be there, but the crowd is in love with this guy he comes back in 2002. The, the, the audience has died down, um, but he's become a more polished performer. Uh, he comes in 2015. He is the size as though he ate the person who hosted in 2009. <laughs> um, and he is just, it's just so braggadocious. And, but he's trying to do it like in a winking, funny way, mm-hmm. which this was also, um, you know, I don't think it gets talked about enough. You probably did talk about it, but I think him returning to WWE and embracing the Rock character, right. I think also helped him. I think he said, I shouldn't fight this. I've been fighting for years being the Rock, and I should just embrace being the Rock. And I think mm-hmm. he was lucky because there had been enough time that had passed. There's nostalgia for him to do that. But now it has gotten to the point where it's like his entire celebrity persona is just the rock. He's like the baby face, humble version of the rock, but he's going to remind you how good he is, mm-hmm. but he's going to do it like humorously. And that's what makes it, you know, seem self-deprecating. Um, the last thing, and this will be a nice little transition to the next monologue. He slips in a reference to running for president Yep, into this song, which is <laughs> anytime the rock references running for president, you know, he came in with that idea. <laughs> Yeah, I think the only line that the writers might have threw in there was the Smurfs line, because that was the only line that got a genuine laugh out of me. Yes, yes. I think that was one where it's like, oh, yeah, take a dig at a current movie, like whatever. <laughs> Smurf slander is, is always welcome here in the theater. Uh, and so, yeah, that takes us to up to now, Brian, his uh, final yes. hosting duty for SNL. I'm sure I'm sure this will not be the end for DJ, but... Uh, May I do wonder if he's going to host next season or maybe mm-hmm. even the finale of this season. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Cena hosts the finale of this season. Just just throwing it out there. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Because um, Cena's, Cena's got two big movies coming out this summer. Yeah, because he's got Fast and then he's got Suicide Squad. So Exactly. Uh, and, and, and by the way, uh, let me know when you launch uh, You Can't Watch Me the John Cena filmography podcast. Uh, see, I was going back and forth between that and Cena <laughs> cinema. Oh, this was good. We, we got to run that by the PR department. Uh, no, I will say, I think when it comes to Cena, if we want to talk about from where they started to where they ended up, pretty big, <laughs> pretty big range. I, I almost, I would say better than Dwayne because Dwayne's mm. first movie wasn't some dumb WWE studios film. Right. I think it'd be interesting to 
like maybe once once we get towards the end of this uh this experiment here where we we have like a triple threat and we look at Cena, yeah. Rock and Batista. No, listen, if you want to launch I watch alone, I will do every episode of that because <laughs> that man has a great career. Yes, yes. And look, all ideas are on the table except for Belay <laughs> box office. That's that's not that's no go. That's a non-starter. Uh so let's talk about May 20th of 2017, Brian, because this is when Dwayne Johnson hosts the season finale of SNL that year and becomes a member of the prestigious Five Timers Club. Yes, which they joke about in the beginning. Uh, they have some fun with Alec Baldwin, who, of course, was there because he's playing Trump at this point. It's 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they hard pivot into something else, and it almost feels like the writers were like, hey, Dwayne, you're five timers. We want to do a five timer monologue. He's like, that's cool, but I got this other idea. Yeah. <laughs> he just went off. Usually when they do the five timers thing, we get like Steve Martin showing up and all that. Mart, like uh, I, I remember when Timberlake hit, it was like, I yep. think they did like Martin Short and they did like the whole, the whole deal. Cause, and, and I'm glad they bring Tom Hanks in here. You know, Hanks was the first person they did the five timers thing with, even though they do go in a completely different direction, which we will, we will talk about. But I think it is, yeah. I think it is, I think it does show a lot though how big of a movie star he's gotten even over these two years. You have 2015 where he's bragging about franchise Viagra to two years later doing a monologue where major celebrities are willing to be in the monologue. You know, yeah, yeah, Baldwin was already there, but Tom Hanks does a cameo appearance, is very involved in the whole thing, and then also, um, you know, makes a joke about how he just did it because he wanted to be seen on TV with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, that's, that's and I like, think that's there's some truth to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like he is certifiably, I think, at this point in 2017, the biggest movie star in the world. Uh, yeah. You can debate it if he is now, but I think at that point, 2017, he, he was. Yeah, this is when Rock just, you know, becomes golden with the license to print money for as long as he feels like printing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like you mentioned, we off the top, we get uh, Alec Baldwin bringing out the, the five-timers smoking jacket, a uh, nice little robe for DJ. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a little back and forth. And then, like you said, almost immediately, he launches into the president thing and says that he wants to have another five-timer as his running mate. Uh, Baldwin thinks it's him. But no, yeah. it is the beloved Tom Hanks. And they, they talk about, you know, the, how the Hanks, uh, Rock Hanks ticket would be, would be uh, run. You know, we get Tom Hanks talking about how, you know, he would – comfort people in a time of war and rock talking about how we would go save California. If it ever floated off into the ocean. And mm-hmm. then they get like, the jokes are fine. The jokes, the jokes are what they yeah. are. But I then would say Baldwin, get, like, Baldwin has a really real quick, has a really great line where uh, before he like runs off stage, he does this really funny, but he goes like, look at us three people who are all perfectly equally yes. beloved and have equal, uh, <laughs> equal appreciation amongst the American people. <laughs> Not a black mark on any of our public personas. Yeah, it's such it was such a good line. <laughs> uh, but then, like, it just kind of pivots, like you said, Brian, and we get like a genuine kind of not not a campaign pitch, but a genuine kind of message to the hearts and minds of the American viewers. Yes, where and he... that felt just kind of like I'm not saying it was bad, but it just kind of felt weird. It it, it clearly is not Dwayne Johnson is doing a comedy sketch about running for president. It is Dwayne Johnson 
wants you to think about the possibility of him one day running for president. And isn't it funny, but give yourself five minutes. Maybe you're just driving to the car. Maybe you're eating your, maybe you're eating your lunch, but give yourself five minutes and think about it because Mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking about it too. Yep. And, and he gets in the line. That's a, that's a good joke, but also like one of those things that make you go, Hmm, where he's like, you know, Last time I was here, I thought I was I wasn't qualified to be the president, but now I think maybe I'm overqualified. Mm-hmm. Which is a funny line, yeah, yeah. It's like that's funny, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but again, you even go back to that 2015. He slips in a line about yeah. running for president, and this has always been something that he has. And I mean, the, the, the whole premise based. around the Young Rock TV show. Well, that's what I was going to say. This based on Rock running for president. This monologue was so hilarious. NBC instantly ordered it to a uh, to a network series. Uh, but yeah, it's. I don't know if we want to save it for the end, but because uh, there's a few more sketches for us to talk about. But um, I do think that the way that he brings this up and the um, the frequency with which mm-hmm. he does bring it up, and the fact that he doesn't, you know, laugh it down, um, and that he does always kind of hold it out there as a who knows if the people want me to do that. Right. Um, I do think it's something that he wants people to be um, at least. Cause my thing is, is that I would always think that if he actually ran for a lower office, that would be some indication that he was interested. Mm-hmm. But I think with him and his whole persona, I think he wants to be able to jump straight to president. And I think he sees the ability to do that is by already planting that into people's minds for years. So that by the time it comes, it isn't just like, wait, the movie star. It's like, Oh yeah, I like that guy. He's the people's champ. He makes that tequila. We all like. Yes. It is very good tequila. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, My last thought on this monologue, Brian is I did like the joke where Hanks was like, you know, I got the senior vote and uh, Dwayne's like, I got the minority vote because Everybody can see themselves in me, or or nobody can can figure out what I am. Something to that effect. The the, the Fred Armisen vote, as we were discussing. Yes, because <laughs> Rocky is one of those dudes that is, even though he's black and Samoan, he is racially ambiguous. Apparently, he, yeah. It, well, it's funny. It was a small little thing. Uh, I think like Tom Hanks just said to him really quietly under his breath, he's like, "You're Puerto Rican, right?" <laughs> <laughs> it was. So, I was trying to tell what he said, but he said something, and it made Dwayne laugh. <laughs> All right, so those those are our monologues, Brian, and we'll we, you know we'll talk about everything once we get to our wrap up. But mm-hmm. let's get to some of these sketches, Brian. Yeah. So uh, you know we we picked out a couple of them. The first one that I, I thought of, which applies to you know our audience here in post wrestling, was the WWE promo shoot featuring yes. Dwayne Johnson uh, as Coco Lookout uh, versus uh, Bobby Moynihan as always the Junkyard. Scrapper, he's yeah, he's like the it's something junkyard. I think it's junkyard scrap. That sounds about right. Yeah, he's got the uh, big so, bone. Yeah, he's got a big bone, so he looks kind of like one of the Moon Dogs. Uh, but I think you know uh, what I love about this is just the the ridiculous premise where Moynihan's characters tells the Rock's character like, "Hey, you know, we're going in this promo. It's right before WrestleMania. Don't hold back. You know, give me what you got." And the Rock just takes it from just being a wrestling promo to getting yeah. really personal with this dude. I thought it was, it was actually pretty clever. I, I love this sketch. Uh, I also, I, I love this sketch as a comedy fan, 
don't like it as a wrestling fan because they don't cut promos like this anymore. They don't look like this. They right. And 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 for me, it's like I wish and this is me being dumb, nitpicky. They used the current WWE logo. I wish they had used like an old school mm. WWE pro- promo um, because I was it's like, damn, I, I wish they would let the guys just cut promos like this without it being scripted. <laughs> um, and I'll also say, listen, Mutt versus Coco is a better program than anything at Mania this year. Uh, I, I wanted to see this match. Yes, like just the the button at the end where he like catfished him with a picture of his own of daughter, his own that, he daughter that he doesn't know about. Yeah, yeah. and then he, like the guy uh, is it a uh, Taron Killian? Yeah, it's yeah, it's Taron uh, who's playing like the Mean Gene role. He's like too far, Coco, too far. <laughs> <laughs> it just that's such a good one. I hope that if he hosts again, they do that sketch uh, again. I would love it if that just became like a reoccurring. Yeah. one that they did with Dwayne. Cause I, I think it was really funny. I think he, he played it perfectly. Um, yeah. I think it's just, it's just, it's a really clever sketch. And um, the thing I like about Dwayne and this will be, is that he's willing to go to like uncomfortable places for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's willing to go. He's just willing to like, you know, be a little darker with this, with this humor, which I really appreciate. And that's one of the things I love about SNL is that sometimes you get to see these performers really show their range in a way that, you know, sometimes their films don't let them, um, you know, before Chris Hemsworth hosted SNL, I don't think people knew he was funny. Like he hadn't really right. been funny in a movie yet. And that was just such a huge discovery. Um, so I like that, you know, Dwayne gets to show uh, some comedic, I don't know. I, I, he, th- he's a little bit more daring with the comedy when he hosts SNL than he is even in his own movies. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I really love this sketch. Uh, uh, the next one we're going to talk about, Brian, you know, again, talking about different phases of Dwayne's career. This one pulls directly from his involvement with the Fast and Furious universe. The uh, sketch is new Disney movie where, you know, the premise is Disney's done all these live adaptations, these reimaginings of the classic movies like Maleficent or a Snow White, a Beauty and the Beast. And so they're doing Bambi uh, and they're making it basically a Fast and Furious movie starring The Rock, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Tyrese Gibson as Bambi and the rest of his woodland friends. Uh, what did you think about this one? Um, to me, the most notable thing about this is um, Dwayne definitely playing into his uh, real-life feud with Vin Diesel here. Uh, <laughs> there's multiple shots at Vin Diesel just being an unintelligible mm-hmm. oaf. Um Certainly not the way that most people would treat uh, the their main co-star of a multi-billion-dollar franchise. Um, but this was obviously when the the two of them had just done that film and were not getting along <laughs> at all. And then, uh, you know, as you as you see when you watch like uh, Fast and Furious Eight, the two were hardly ever in a scene together. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently, when they are in a scene together, they shot completely separately. You rarely see the two of them in a shot together in that film. Um, so I think that was pretty telling. Uh, that there was, uh, you know, trouble amongst that cast, that he was so willing to make fun of Vin Diesel uh, like that in the sketch. Yeah. And, you know, again, maybe I'm reading too much into this. I don't know the chronology of with, was this before or after Tyrese came out at him, but the fact that they've got Tyrese playing the skunk, that might be a yeah. subtle a subtle jab as well. I think it was him taking jabs at uh, his co-stars. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, then he was Cecily Strong playing Michelle Rodriguez, and she just does nothing. It was just, Yeah, she does nothing. And then we yeah. get like a little uh, bit at the end where Jay Farrow shows up as ludicrous to provide yeah. the soundtrack of, of, wham, of Wham Bam Bambi. Do you remember um, 
do you remember this SNL sketch called the Jay Farrow show? No, they did it once, I believe. And I think it was totally done to make fun of Jay Farrow where Daniel Radcliffe was the host and it was him interviewing Daniel Radcliffe. And he knew absolutely nothing about Daniel Radcliffe, but would just always ask if Daniel Radcliffe wanted to see his, his celebrity impressions, (laughs) which I think at that point was probably what Lauren was thinking about this guy. (laughs) So that's the end of the Jay Farrow era. The end of the Pharaoh Arrow. Uh, I, I think that uh, he was a great impressionist. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think unfortunately for him, I think a lot of times it kind of uh, ended there during his SNL tenure, at least. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was going to be be this generation's Rich Little. <laughs> that's that's a, like shout out to all the Rich Little fans listening to this podcast on the Wrestling Network. Whenever I think of Rich Little, my the thing I always go to is that he is such a a non offensive comedian. If you remember uh, when Stephen Colbert hosted the Correspondence Dinner in like 2006 mm-hmm. and just made all those jokes, and everyone was like, "Oh my goodness, he flamed Bush." The they'll never be able to show their faces again. Um, we'll see how that turned out, but. Uh, the next year, Rich Little hosted uh, the, the Correspondence Dinner to make sure that they had no repeats like that. Oh, Rich Little. Uh, so let's go from new Disney movie to the next sketch, Brian. This was a sketch titled Scorpio, where yes. Dwayne is playing a superhero that that was bitten by radioactive scorpions and now has the power of scorpions. But everybody just focuses on his amazing fashion design uh you know he as uh baron zemo would say he's a fashion forward black man out here <laughs> brian man so uh you know what did you make of scorpio because i thought i like this one a lot better than i like the uh, new disney movie sketch i me too me too and this is also so this is from his 2017 uh hosting mm-hmm. um again i read into everything with Dwayne, so i think it's interesting that he's teasing himself playing a superhero which he just now started filming black adam yep. um but I think it's really funny. They're playing off that trope of, isn't it crazy that superheroes always make these amazing costumes for themselves? And this this whole idea of him being really into design, um, I just I think it's really funny. I think it's a funny trope. I think he plays the role funny. Um, he I like Dwayne when he kind of plays in that sort of middle ground of like sensitivity. He doesn't over overdo it, which. Mm-hmm. Like in a film like Central Intelligence, I think he overdoes. But here, I think he finds the like right balance. I I find mm. it funny, I, and I, and I think he. I also think he plays against women uh, really well as uh, yes. uh, too. Yeah, there's something, and I don't mean this as if he would be somebody who was a misogynist or abusing women, but there's like this non-threatening quality from this giant human being. Correct. Yeah. When he's yeah. playing against women, that I think is 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 charming. Well, and what's so funny is I get that because of game plan and that era of his career, he doesn't want to go back there. But I think mm. if he did one of those kind of movies now, I think it'd be a really big hit. Um, but I can understand why he wouldn't. It was just the problem was before he was playing off of a he was like subverting a persona that most people didn't know. Right. Uh, you know, it'd be like if, if if Arnold did Kindergarten Cop before he did Terminator. It's like we don't. Mm-hmm. What are you what are you playing on here? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was Scorpio and again you can check out all of these sketches on uh, YouTube uh, the, the next sketch we had to, we had to throw this one in here uh, yes. the Rock Obama the, the OG Rock Obama featuring Fred Armisen well, what did you make of this sketch Brian 
I th- this is to me is when SNL political comedy at its worst, where it's like, mm. oh, Barack and The Rock, their names sound similar. Let's just beat up some Republicans. Uh, like, did, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, did w, didn't WWE do that <laughs> joke first? Yeah, yeah, they because they did it during the primaries. Yeah. So they beat him to it. And that was also during a time period where The Rock and WWE weren't necessarily on speaking terms. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, it was kind of the thing that was interesting. We won't talk too much about the politics was just a snapshot of where uh, American politics were in those two time periods. Of just like Obama comes right in and the Republicans are, you know, just undercutting him and not helping him do anything at all. And then, oh, we're going to fast forward six years later. <laughs> Isn't it funny? It's still happening. Um, and then, of course, Trump happens the next year. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, just watching that 2015 sketch where it's like, this is the last time where this is funny. Mm. Like, I, I think maybe the, the most enjoyment uh, I got out of this sketch was just trying to remember the names of these uh, senators. Because it's like, mm-hmm. and like, I know in the second one, like you had Bobby Moynihan playing uh, Ted Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, like you had uh, you had Mitch McConnell, right? Um, you didn't have Mitch McConnell. I think in this one you had uh, – I think it was supposed to be McCain. Mm. And I think it was supposed to be McCain, Boehner, and um, yes. someone else who I can't remember. Yeah, right I, I always forget about Boehner. Like Boehner yeah. – <laughs> Well, listen, Boehner's selling a book right now. He's doing the media rounds. Yeah, so I, I think I, – I get the idea. Like they, they found a clever or halfway clever pun and ran with it, and you get the physicality of the rock, but – you know, it's it's kind of a one note sketch, in my opinion. Well, and it's it's just so it, the thing that I don't like about it is because they take it in that that he's the Hulk, which mm-hmm. okay, but that's one that's one joke. Like he's like talks really slow and he just beats people up. Whereas the um, the immensely funnier option is you have The Rock cutting promos on all of these guys. Mm-hmm. That would be so much funnier than him like making Ted Cruz jump out a window, which for some reason SNL thinks is the funniest thing in the world whenever they throw someone out Jumping of a window. Out a window. <laughs> Hasn't been funny since like 92. <laughs> and, and honestly, and I don't know the time frame of this, Brian, but if I want to see like an angry Obama sketch, Ken Peel did it better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a much better setup. Much better setup. Um, and I think, yeah, it would have been funny if it was just a thing where it's like – in private, he turns into the Rock Obama and cuts these mm-hmm. crazy promos on these Republicans. So much funnier than like, oh, uh, Leslie Jones ripped off like Tom Cotton's arm. Oh, that's right, I forgot Leslie Jones. Yeah, Leslie Jones. He's in the second Michelle. one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love Leslie Jones, but that sketch wasn't wasn't the best. No. Uh, no. But our final sketch we're going to talk about on this episode, Brian, is one that. Gave, like I actually like this one a lot more than I thought I would, mm-hmm. and it's Hawaiian Hotel where you've got yes. uh, uh, The Rock and uh, who was who was uh, his scene partner? Come on, man of the hour, Fred Armisen. Oh, that's playing right, his, that's right. Playing his I brother. See, I thought he was there with <laughs> Obama. That's <laughs> but you got The Rock and Fred Armisen working at this uh, Hawaiian resort, and they're just you know you think they're doing like the, the traditional hula the, for these tourists. But yeah. then they just say, like, just mean cutting things that just made me laugh every time. Yeah, and I think Dwayne just commits to this this one so well. Um, again, you just look at how amazing the cast was at this time. When you just have, like, Will Forte just reacting. Or you have, mm. like, 
uh, Keenan, who obviously is still there, but like him and Sudeikis, like are the guys, yes, like, yeah. their drinks knocked over. And it's like, that could have been anybody, but it was yep. Jason Sudeikis was on the cast at the same time. And I think Kristen Wiig's in there too. It was a really amazing cast. Um, and I think this was like the one year, like Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig were both on the show at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but no, I thought that was an amazing sketch. Interesting though, another thing I found out, uh, apparently this this uh, sketch did upset Hawaii's tourism board. And they did uh, they did issue a statement about it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that's funny. Like, I, here's the thing. Like, I and uh, you know we get a little bit of this in you know the Fast and Furious series. We mm-hmm. get a lot of this with Moana, which we just talked about here on the Rocky Mountain Picture yeah. Show. But I love you. You know, we even got a little bit of this in uh, the game plan when he's playing mm-hmm. uh, the ukulele. Like, I love it when Dwayne kind of taps into like his Pacific Islander heritage. Yes, yeah, and I, I think that's actually it one gives this, why it gives like something that could just be this silly sketch a little bit of authenticity. I think. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, and I like it when you watch a film like Moana, where I think that him being involved in that film, I think, does help the authenticity uh, of mm-hmm. of that of that film. Um, I'm less enamored with it when he uses it to you know can to say like why you're honoring his ancestors by buying his new Under Armour shoes. Uh, that I'm not as a fan of. I think he goes to that well a little too often, but I like it again when he integrates it into like storytelling and like, mm-hmm. and, and, and his art and things like that. Um, when, when he kind of nakedly uses it for commerce, I'm not as much a fan of. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I really enjoyed that sketch. So yeah, all of those sketches you guys can check out on YouTube. And so, uh, Brian, I think it's time to give our, our final thoughts, but before we do, Brian, mm-hmm. you know, this is, a show talking about Saturday Night Live, so we have to have a musical guest. You know, we didn't have oh. a Time Warp segment this week, so we we got a musical guest in the building. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Big Chris and the New Money Crew featuring King Keith. Oh, oh, this that new track, New Money Crew, Cash Stack Records, represent uh, Big Chris. With Shantasia. <laughs> featuring your boy, On the track, holding it down with snow cone. Yeah, they up on this track too. Y'all ain't never heard this many MCs. Here we go. Yeah, Sloppy Moses, also part of this, bringing that West Coast stank. Uh, him too. And that's more than enough now. Yeah, Big Chris. Shantasia. With Chris Sexy. All out of people. Snow Cone. Marcy Jam. And Sloppy Moses. And then we cut it off there. Uh, yeah. I mean, we more than covered on this particular track. And yo, don't think I ain't noticed you try to fly under the radar, Marcy Jams. New Money Crew wrote deep. I mean, maybe too deep? I don't know. Featuring King Keith. No! The track is full, man. There ain't no vacancy, B. King Keith does not accept that. Brought the whole hoodlum squad to this track. Hoodlum? Where you at, little nerd? With? Keep it greasy, y'all. What happened there? With two black guys. Bad name. Woo! Hey, hot clown. Oh. What it is? With your girl, great miss. No. And you don't forget about your boy, Skiffle. Bow, yaka, yaka, yaka. Oh, Skiffle. Yo, definitely ain't no room for Skiffle. Yo, Skiffle, stand. Okay. And you know Katy Perry on the track? Simon, 
Right, like whether it's the monologues or the sketches. Before we kind of give a grade to DJ mm-hmm. on all of this, what, from your perspective, makes a good SNL host, and do you think Dwayne checks the boxes of those qualifications? Um, I, I think what makes a good SNL host, um, someone who comes back multiple times, mm-hmm. I think it's someone who has really good comedic sensibilities. Because um, the thing that that people don't you know, depending on what they know about how the show, you know, works and things like that. I mean, they start writing it and they have a pitch meeting on Tuesdays and, you know, they write the scripts and they get it up and it's a crazy, crazy week. Um, but the hosts do have a very large hand in saying what gets on the air and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why sometimes if you have like, not to rag on them, but a lot of the times the athletes don't get invited back is because mm-hmm. they aren't tremendously accomplished sketch performers. Um and they don't necessarily have the best comedic, you know, like instincts. Um, so I think it's someone who has really good comedic instincts, who can spot a good sketch, who also loves doing sketch, who has that versatility. That's why I think uh, surprisingly, um, you know, I think that uh, Ryan Gosling has turned into a really good uh, SNL host. Mm-hmm. I think Emma Stone has been really good. Uh, Hemsworth is another one who I think has yeah. been has been great. Um, I thought Regina King was uh, was really great, mm-hmm. even with material that wasn't all that 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 great. Um, and then sometimes you think about someone like Casey Affleck, who was not very good, and mm. and most sketches was just the straight guy reacting. I think that's the other thing where mm. how often is this person put in a place to be the central focus of a sketch? Right. Um, right. I think uh, you know when when Lin Manuel Miranda hosted, he just felt like another m- member of the cast. Um, yeah, I was a little disappointed. He kind of blended in uh, a little too much. Uh, Timberlake, it's been a while since he hosted, but he was, you know, he was really good. Obviously, whenever a returning um, uh, cast member hosts, that's usually mm. pretty good. Um, what about, you know? uh, like, I think one of my favorites, uh, and it's probably somebody that we have in common as, as somebody mm-hmm. that's a favorite, and you mentioned him earlier, when Donald Glover hosted. Yes, Donald Glover is amazing. Donald Glover knocked it out of the park because Donald Glover has so much sketch uh, sketch experience from back uh, when he was in Derek Comedy in, uh, mm. in, in college, but he auditioned for SNL. Like he, the thing I love about him is that he clearly had things he wanted to do. And I would actually say right now, in terms of the rotating crop, I would say John Mulaney is probably the best host um, because he was there for years. And you know that when he shows up, he's probably been writing sketches uh, the entire last year since he hosted. And he also probably has a lot of sketches that um, he couldn't get on the air. Like his most recent one that I loved, he had that, um, uh, (laughs) that headless horseman sketch uh, Mm -hmm. where the whole joke of it is, people using the headless horseman's head to like, you know, for like oral sex. 
And the thing I love is that in the very end, there's like a line where they add, uh, uh, no one at SNL had anything to do with this except for Lauren Michaels who wrote it. And to me, like that just feels like, I bet John Mulaney pitched this sketch every single Halloween episode for the decade that he was there. And they always said no. And now he's the right. host and he's going to force him to do it. Um, <laughs> that's why I think Mulaney is great whenever he hosts. Hmm. Yeah, I think with Dwayne, this has been fascinating, just kind of tracking the evolution. Oh, yeah, you asked if he was good. Uh <laughs> of his stage presence. So yeah, like I, I think overall, like I it's weird, Brian, because I think there's something to that early two thousands rock mm-hmm. hosting where it's a little bit more authentic, it's a little bit more personable. But other than I'd say other than the uh 2015 like the franchise viagra year like i think i love like the the 2017 show that he did and yeah, I, I, think I think there's mm-hmm. like th- he found a way to kind of fuse that 2015 guy with the guy we saw you know mean mugging with triple h back in uh 2000 absolutely i i, I think that um what's so weird is that he's has these five episodes but they span like 20 years, you know, uh, of his career. So it's like, what I'll say is I think he has what it takes to be a good SNL host. Um, But I would really love to see him, you know, I hope he hosts some point this year. Um, If if not before the summer, then, you know, coming back because he does have some pretty big movies coming out this year. So um, I would love to see him do it again. I really would. Um, I think he, he has uh, what it takes to really, uh, to really, um, excel there but by the time he hosts if he does this year it'll be it'll have been four years since he last did it so it'll be interesting to see uh what kind of performer he comes in as um i'm sure he'll do three sketches about uh running for president (laughs) honestly and this is no slight to dj uh before we get to our final grade here brian like and i don't i I don't know the last time they had like two hosts or co-hosts but Mm -hmm. i love like i'm surprised the rock and kevin hart haven't done one because i think that would help Dwayne out a little bit and, and, you know, make him a little bit more relaxed. I would like that. I would like that. I, 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 the last time that the last time I can remember where they had multiple people hosting was the time that Betty White hosted. And that was just more so because like, she really wasn't able to host completely on her own. Um, so they brought in some other uh, people as well. Um, but no, I would, I would, I would love that. I really would. I think that, um, yeah, I would love to see. And I, I honestly was surprised that he hasn't hosted yet because I would have assumed that NBC would have wanted him to host uh, when uh, Young Rock premiered. Um, mm, but yeah. I don't know if he just wasn't available. Wasn't I think he's still filming that Netflix movie uh, right now. So, you know, who knows what he can even do right now. Well, that, that's the other thing. Like now that things are starting to loosen up in terms of quarantine, like, you know, DJ's yep. back to work. So he, he doesn't have time. He's been to back to work for, yeah, I think he's been back to work for a while. But he is also so aware of the perception and, and what he puts out there. And I think he I don't think he wants to put that out there right there right now. I don't think he wants mm-hmm. to put himself being around people right now, especially when he did, you know, test positive for, for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, though, though, I, I'll say um, I don't know if you want to do this now. I do, I do want to get your thoughts on whether or not uh, he, he will run for office. Let's let's save that for after we give our rankings on that. Let's save it. Okay. So uh, obviously anybody that's listened to this show know we have a patented five point rating scale. 
for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. If something is fabulous, if it's tremendous, if it's the best thing we've ever seen, that's a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with the great one. If something is good, but, you know, it's not quite perfect, it's got a couple flaws here and there, that's a four out of five. That's a people's chance. If something is solid and, you know, The Rock is good in it, that's a three out of five. That's a know your role. If the movie is bad or, the you know, The Rock is good in that movie or The Rock is bad and the movie's good besides him, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But, Brian, man, if, if what we're reviewing is the most terrible, irredeemable thing we could have watched, if a movie is doomed, that's a one out of five. That's a rock bottom. So, you know, looking back over the totality of Dwayne's time on SNL, what grade would you give Dwayne Johnson? What's what's four? Four is a uh, people's champ. I would give him a people's champ. I, I, I think that he um, he's always pretty endearing. I mean, Franchise Viagra is the one that I would look at and be like, no, thank you. I do not want this guy. Um, but, but even when he's like nervous in the first one, like that's endearing. And it, again, like I can't stress it enough. Like it is just so interesting to see the full, the first one is jam packed full with wrestling promos. Mm-hmm. And the last one is him like rubbing shoulders with like some of the biggest stars, uh, in Hollywood. Um, so it's just amazing to see his journey. Um, I think again, with it would be a five, I think if it weren't for franchise Viagra. Franchise Viagra is what is what bumps it down. Yeah, I think, you know, I I was thinking five. I was also thinking of three, you know, Brian, because I mm-hmm. feel like it's just we get so many different versions of The Rock over this span of 17 years. And, you know, the gaps, I think, just kind of illuminate that this is a different dude than when he started. Uh, but, like, I, I thought he was really good in a lot of these sketches. I thought for the most part, uh, his monologues were good, uh, even though like the first two didn't really even feel like monologues. And then franchise Viagra was what it was. The other two I, I did kind of like. Um, so I'm gonna, I think I'll agree with you, Brian. I'll agree. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's almost like we came here in, a, in the same Honda. We don't want a cord, Brian. Man, <laughs> I'll I'll give this a four out of five. A people's champ. Uh, so let's talk about the the. Elephant or perhaps donkey, but most likely elephant. I think, I, think, I, I think it's the donkey in the room. Really? I think it's the donkey. Although I don't know. He could because the is it because is, the, is it because the Republican party has no place for the rock anymore in a way that they might have six years ago. Um, or in 2000 when he appeared at the Republican convention. Uh, hmm. I think mm-hmm. that, I think that the fact that he uh, endorsed uh, Biden mm, and uh, mm-hmm. Kamala, uh, Kamala is is indication of that because, at one hand, you might be like, "Oh, well, then if he runs as a Republican, he can like act like he's bipartisan." Um, but I just think to where the Republican Party is now and what you mm. need to, do to win a Republican primary, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. However, I think him running as a Democrat, I think I think he would have a tough time in a Republican primary, if I'm being honest. Um, it's so funny. Right now, uh, California looks as though they will be going to a recall election uh, for, for Gavin Newsom, which mm-hmm. that is how Schwarzenegger first uh, became governor of California, was the yep. result of a recall election. Now, of course, Schwarzenegger had been playing with it that idea for a while he had been a little bit more actively in politics um and was also older um 
so you know, do I don't see Dwayne jumping into that race. Um, but I think that if he's to have an actual shot at winning a primary, I think he needs to hold some sort of lower office first mm. on the Democratic side. Because um, I just I just don't think – I think Democrats are, I think, rightly very skeptical of celebrity politicians. Yeah. Um, after- well, see, that's, that's why, like, I'm, like, I think, yeah, he would have to serve a lower office before jumping into the main event because I think what – what makes Dwayne so electable, so to speak, is that mm-hmm. likability. But we're in an age now where when you're talking about the Democratic Party, particularly, you know, the stronger parts of the left, like they 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 want action. They want policies. Yeah. They want to see you do the work. And I don't feel like not, not that the Rock isn't a hard worker. Obviously, the brother's a hard worker, but I don't think he's that type of politician. He's not. He. I, I, my fear with him. He's, if we're being he's, I, I feel like he's more similar to Trump than he is to AOC. Right, well, my my issue would be in taking like his personal politics to the side. Mm. Um. So I've been reading Obama's you know most recent book, and and he's pretty upfront about how much with he a just full word by Fred Armisen. <laughs> uh, Fred Armisen actually wrote half of it, um, and then Jay Farrell wrote the second half, um. It's he's very upfront about how much he didn't necessarily understand about how Washington works mm. um, because he had been in Washington for such a short amount of time. I think that's why I've been pleasantly surprised by this Biden, um, you know, presidency so far. Uh, he's not afraid to get in there and do like big, bold things. He's like, guys, we got to do stuff. <laughs> if we don't do stuff. People won't like us. Um, and I think Biden really understands how like the like how Washington works. Um, and I think that when the time comes, uh, 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 Kamala, when she runs, I think, uh, will be better for it as a candidate having gone through all that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, listen, if someone wants to make Dwayne Johnson, their running mate at first, who knows? (laughs) Um, but, and this is just me, if I'm having to talk about it in completely earnest terms, um, I think there's a lot of strengths as a political speaker that he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, and I think that he is a very hardworking, accomplished person and very successful. Um, you know, I, I would say there's some overlap with Trump, not in that they believe the same things or they appeal to the same right. people, but like but in terms their of ability charisma, to connect. So to speak. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and, and I think that, um, Dwayne, I think a positive thing about Dwayne is that I think a lot of people who have either checked out of politics or don't pay attention, I think would listen to him and that could be good or bad. Um, but I don't think having a, a popular person whose personal brand is like compassion and kindness is necessarily the worst thing in the world. Mm. Um, do I think it will ever actually end up happening? Don't don't I, do it, Brian. Man, don't don't do it because you know people still had that tape of you saying there was no way Trump was going to win. Don't do it to yourself, no, no, no. Brian. I'm not going to make that that call. Uh, I will not predict whether or not I think he'll become president. Um, do I think he will run? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say um, I'll say yes. I think mm-hmm. that it is a. I think that it is something that he wants to do. I mean, it has been too much of a part of his persona for it not to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think he could see himself as like a Reagan type, um, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think it is fair to say, like, if you saw that poll that came out where they were like, wow, 42% of people say they would vote for uh, Dwayne Johnson. And he like posted it on his Instagram. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that Dwayne Johnson had nothing to do with that poll being conducted. Um, <laughs> do, do I think that he's maybe talked to people in that field and he has explored it? Yes. I think that he has done that. Um, I'll say this, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't run, I would not be surprised if in 2028, there isn't at least talk of it. And he comes out and says that he isn't like that. He at least acknowledges it, but like they floated out there similar to what's going on right now in Texas with McConaughey. McConaughey is clearly actively thinking about doing this and Mm -hmm. news stations are talking about it and they're floating it out there and we'll see if he chooses to do it or not. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get to that area. Um, you know, we'll see where things are in 2024, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point it is a serious topic that gets talked about uh, in the news. What about you? Yeah, I, I could see, I could see him doing it. You know, but he's he's got plenty of time. That's the thing, Brian. Right now, he's he's still only 48. Right, and I don't think anywhere on his radar right now. I yeah, mean, our last, our last two candidates on. in the last election were in their 70s, so so brother's got a little bit of time. Right. Well, and you think about uh, the funny thing about Schwarzenegger. Um, he knew he was going to run. Uh, mm. You know, a large part of getting, uh, you know, Gray Davis uh, recalled was so that he could run. Um, and one of the funniest little pieces of trivia is that there is an action scene. So in Terminator 3, even though it is rated R, it's a lot more toned down. He doesn't really curse. It's not as violent. That's because he knew he was about to run. And they also purposefully, he made them film a really expensive action scene in this like one swing county in the state. So that he could then brag about how he brought like millions of dollars into their economy. Mm. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But yeah, I think kind of wrapping up this 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 topic here, Brian. Man, like, how crazy would it have been again? Like, if in, in some alternate timeline, in the timeline that Steve Rogers created when he went back to return the Infinity Stones, if instead of Trump in 2016 it was Dwayne Johnson, like I think, like that that takes the Republican Party in a in a weird direction because either they move with him or. Like they turn on their own nominee. Um, I don't know if they necessarily turn. It's just it's so weird because, um, regardless of the policy, regardless of any of this, um, the Republican Party seems to be really made up of two people, uh, two types of people: people who uh, are are racist and people who are very afraid of being called racist. <laughs> And that's such a weird, like, and that's where you, you kind of, we saw that during the last election where it's like a major reason why before, you know, Trump Republicans would go and speak to the NAACP wasn't because they actually wanted to form a bond with the NAACP or get the black vote. It was to show white people that they weren't racist mm-hmm. and Trump just wasn't afraid of doing that. Um, now I think it did probably cost him like, five percent and you know that was big enough um but i don't know i don't know i really don't i really don't know because i don't know we'll see we'll see i mean the big thing that we've seen post trump is that um the republican party has not fared well when he's not on the ballot like a lot of these very fringe people the you know the people who like stormed the capitol these are people that trump brought into politics and now that he's not in politics they've kind of lost interest in politics again um so who knows i i really don't know um i just i just can't see 
Dwayne running as a Republican for the sake of the brand. Now, again, it depends on where the parties are, right? you know, in eight years. I think that's why. But the fact that he did come out and endorsed uh, Biden, I think at least says a lot about where he wants people to think of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's and again, 2020 was such and Trump was such a, a, a specific thing where this could also help. Dwayne in a couple of years, he wants to come out and be like, listen, I thought, you know, Trump was a once in a generation app. Like he, he was, he was awful. We had to ban, uh, bond together to, and then I supported Biden because he was decent, but I don't like where the Democrats are now. You know, like mm-hmm. he can say that. Um, I just really don't know. I really don't know which way he'll go. I think he is keeping it open so that he can make that decision because I think for him, it really doesn't matter which party it's in. I think for him, it ultimately would just matter about get getting there. Um, because again, we've had this whole discussion, and we really haven't talked a lot about what we think he would try to do <laughs> in the office. Right. In fact, you don't even know which party he would run in. Um, I think also like, Dwayne's not out here signing executive orders, Brian. Right. I think if Dwayne wants to be president, it's because he wants to be president. I don't think mm-hmm. it's because there's like a long list of uh, legislation that he wants to get pushed through. Well, we already know he's lost the Hawaiian vote, so. <laughs> <laughs> At least the Hawaiian Tourism Board vote. The Hawaiian Tourism that. Board is not going to endorse Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, That's why he political... did Moana. He only did Moana to clear up his image. Yes. Uh, he's trying to get some of that political Viagra, Brian Mann. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to bring it no, in. He's going to do that. It, he's going to do that monologue. <laughs> political. <laughs> he's going to do that one. Uh, political Viagra. <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting for that sketch on SNL when he. When he joins the six timers club. Uh, but I actually, I think this, this might be Brian Mann's fifth time here on the show. Oh, wow. Is it? I think you might be a fifth timer. Scorpion King, Southland Tales. I think today. Yeah. Was there another one? No. I don't okay, think so. so. So yeah, Brian Mann. No, actually, no, there was another one. There was another one. Remember, we did a double feature. The other guys and Pain and Gain. That's right. We did. So technically, we did. that's five things. Well, it's it, it technically is five movies. Four appearances, five movies, though. Um, so I would be, yeah, I forgot about Pain and Gain. How can I forget about Pain and Gain? The only time in my life I've ever forgotten about Pain and Gain. Um, <laughs> I, here's the thing. I would, I, yeah, I, I, since I've hit it, I, I would offer to come back for another one. But I, I, I don't know if there's anything left in his filmography that I'm, although, if you continue to follow new releases, I will come back for Jungle Cruise. Hmm. So that, that 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 one's got your interest. That one's got my interest because he's now working with a very interesting director. Um, this guy, uh, Jermaine Clement Sarah, I always forget his first name, but he's this very interesting uh, director. He did like the best of the uh, Liam Neeson action movies. Like he did mm. like uh, Unknown, uh, and he did uh, The Passenger, uh, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 what was it called? The one where he's on the train. I don't know. He did this those two really good ones. Um, uh, and so I'm just really nonstop. He did nonstop. He did the, he did the plain one. He did the train one, uh, but he's a really interesting director. He also did orphan and uh, well, he's all about he, modes of transportation. He's got all the, he, he got all the modes of transportation, but the thing, and now he's doing a cruise. Uh, I just <laughs> like that. Dwayne has found a director and they're doing black mm-hmm. Adam together. Now that Dwayne has found a director that he's comfortable oh, working okay. with who has, some sense of visual style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't need him to keep making action movies with the director of Dodgeball. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> that he is like taking some 
some visual risks and uh and he's gonna be doing a movie with like Zemeckis, so you know I'm excited for his next kind of phase um because the you know Dwayne Johnson controls everything phase got real old uh, real fast mm. so yeah, so we will we'll look forward to Brian making his uh fifth slash sixth appearance on the show uh, how you for, count. Ju- for jungle cruise but yeah we're, we're just gonna say it's your fifth time so that way you you sync up with dj i'll be i'll be waiting for my smoking jacket in the mail yes and then i'll have a uh, tom hanks delivered to you <laughs> so uh, <laughs> vice president hanks uh listen i'll so- take i'll take chet hayes i'll take chet hayes if we have to oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a joke there there's uh, I could have made a joke. I'm going to refrain. See, this is the restraint that Rock didn't have during that uh, franchise biography monologue. Listen, I understand this is this is Chet Hayes' busy season. So if yes, you can't make I mean, it, I, I, getting I, a little warmer outside for uh, <laughs> people with Chet's complexion. But we're not going to go there, Brian. Uh, but we, where we are going to go is to our wrap up here because I, uh, you know, want to thank you for coming back to the show, brother. You know, it's been a while, and uh, glad to always good to catch up with you, man. Uh, what have you got going on right now, and? And where can the listeners uh, find out everything that's going on with uh, one Brian Maxwell man? Yeah, I honestly, I try not to be on social media that much. So Twitter is really the only place. Um, follow me there. I've got some cool things that I can't talk about yet. But if you follow me there, I'll post them when I can. And uh, yeah, occasionally I get upset and say something about wrestling. But I really try not to tweet that much anymore. <laughs> so uh Follow me there while I'll occasionally uh, get upset at WWE and promote things that I make. So, yeah, go there. And, Nate, thank you again for having me on. I I know we've been doing these, uh, you know, for a long time, a little more off than on now. But, um, I, I'm you know, miss talking to you, buddy. Uh, you know, it's, it's – it's, I remember the old days of us uh, – me sacrificing every Friday night so that we could uh, stay up and talk about impact uh, until yes. like 2 a.m. So, uh, you know, those, those are the good old days. Yes. You know, yeah, it's always good to get the team reunited. You know, you can't, you can't have Captain America without Bucky. It's a shame that they, that impact wasn't uh, good. <laughs> like you look at where it is now, although yeah. we really, we were ahead of the curve. We were ahead of the, like with BDC and like, we had the 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 Lashley uh, MVP title mm-hmm. program back back all the way back then. This actually this so this is um uh, I know I keep this is stalling us and dragging it out, but this was a, a little fantasy booking that I wanted to talk about with you with uh, of all people. The one match I want in WWE right now, I want Kofi versus Bobby. That's mm. the match I want. I think you can do a lot of really interesting storytelling with the differences in the ways in which they conducted themselves and conducted their reign. Mm-hmm. And if you remember some of the things that MVP said about New Day when they were in Impact, I think there's a lot of really interesting storytelling that you could do, um, that you could do there. The, the kind of like, mm-hmm. by any means necessary versus the power of positivity. Um, I, I think there's like just, and, and MVP would have some amazing promos. And I think that yep. you could make Kofi serious. Um yeah, that's. I just wanted to pitch that to you. I know it won't go anywhere. Uh, no, I was but... say like that. That sounds like a good idea, but I don't trust <laughs> the. Uh, I don't trust the makers of the Nigerian drum match to give us anything nuanced, Brian. Listen, we're we're gonna be getting uh, Bobby and Drew for, you know, four months. So whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's always good to catch up with you, brother. And again, like Brian talking about that uh, mysterious 
project on his plate that he can't talk about. So I guess, ladies and gentlemen, it is confirmed. Uh, Brian Mann will be directing The Rock in San Andreas too. I'm 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 so proud of you, brother. Yeah, he was like, I know you don't have any feature film experience, but uh, I like the way you ran down the first one on podcasts. So how about <laughs> you? Uh, we put you in charge of this three three hundred million dollar movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's where you can find uh, Brian Mann. Uh, always good to. He's he's like that relative that only pops up a couple times a year, but it's always good when when they're in town. Uh, you can. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Uh, Kings of Sport Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. Uh, Marcus Vandenberg and myself have been doing the Kings of Sport since 2013. Uh, we've got over 150 hours of content on the Patreon, audio, video, uh, sports, politics, wrestling, MCU reviews. Uh, Brian's been on there a couple times. Uh, so you can check all that good stuff out over at the Patreon. Of course, uh, Rocky My Via Picture Show here on Post Wrestling. Uh, be sure to check out the Post Wrestling store and get yourself, you know, some of that nice Rocky My Via Picture Show swag. You know, we don't have smoking jackets yet, but you can get a nice T-shirt. <laughs> uh, speaking of that T-shirt, shout out to Robert Pearson uh, and Austin James. Uh, Robert Pearson designed the logo for the T-shirt, and Austin James designed our first uh, graphic for the show uh Braden harrington for the theme shout out to brother Braden, and of course john pollock and waiting the proprietors of post wrestling uh we'll be back next time to talk about a movie that i'm sure brian has many thoughts about but you won't hear him because he won't be back next time uh we'll talk about the rock <laughs> in 2017's fast and furious 8 the fate of the furious They're still on us. These guys are taking this personal. You were only supposed to create a diversion, Roman. That was complete destruction. What you want from me? I'm Roman Pierce, man. It's what I do. Phase two. Phase two? What's phase two? Bounds away. Holy shit. You know what I like about you, Dom? You're a genuine outlaw, but you're his family. The hell of a job, brother. When we get back to the base, beer's on me. He's about to go up against the only thing they can't handle. You. Did you ever think you'd betray your family the way you did today? Dominic Toretto just turned on us. Well, well, well. Do you look at that? I don't know why he's doing this, but that wasn't dumb. She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. And now, she's working with your guy. I think I found my team. This should be interesting. You want to play like that? This is impossible. Which is why you're gonna need a little help. I will beat you like a Cherokee drum. Matter of fact, we are about to go up like that. Oh, it took longer than I expected. If you're gonna catch Dom, you guys are gonna work together. Surprise. I just fell in love. I've been waiting for this. We got a tank. Let's roll. 
Here they come. I don't know if the old Dom is in there. I don't give a damn. I'm taking you down. Toretto, let's play. Why are they shooting at me? I don't know. Maybe because you're in an orange Lamborghini. Shut up, Tess. Switch it, switch it up, like. Switch it up, speak up, box, blast. That's that's a classic right there, Brian. It's a great. It, listen, it's a great film. Uh, I don't think Dwayne Johnson remembers being in it, but uh, it's a great. It's a great film. Yes. So uh, we'll be joined by the guys from Too Fast, Too Forever, of course, and maybe we'll have some more special guests on that show. Uh, but until then, I want to thank everybody for listening again. want to thank Brian Mann for hopping back into the theater with me. And I, I guess I'll see you when uh, Jungle Cruise comes out, brother. Hey, man, uh, I just wrote this little ditty here called Podcast Viagra. Do you mind if I sing it real quick? <laughs> I have to check with Lauren, see if we can get into the show. <laughs> Maybe we'll just make it a web exclusive. Uh, uh, but yeah, thanks to Brian Mann for, for coming back to the show. And thank y'all for listening for Brian Mann, for Dwayne, the rock Johnson. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton. And remember newbie and eyes are watching. We'll see you next time, folks. on out of here. Ah!